You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 110 called 18 EdTech Tools to support student writing. In this episode, we'll share a massive list of 18 EdTech tools that can help students and teachers to write. We've got websites, extensions, and podcasts featured in this episode, making it another one you don't want to miss. Check it out. so we're back for episode 110 uh, i know for me over the past two weeks i'm still waiting for spring weather i mean we got a we got a couple tease days here and there but for the most part it's been pretty brutally cold maybe it's just me have you been cold nick yeah <laughs> yeah buddy i have been cold and it's you know we're recording this at the end of april and april's like just the worst month because when you hear it, you're like, cool, springtime and get to wear a t-shirt and shorts again. But it's totally not that. We just had, you know, it was Easter this past weekend and I was at my parents' house and there was snow falling. So that's, but that's April. You just expect one thing and you always get another, but we're so close. I can taste it. The warm weather is coming. And uh, yeah, like you said, I'm just super excited. Also, every time we have a day off of school for like a holiday or spring break, it's still about 30 degrees outside and it's been it's killing me because there's some stuff <laughs> I got to get out there and take care of in the yard. Yeah. So we're we're about ready to open up our pool. And that's the last thing you want to do on a 30 degree day is yeah. just mess with the water and stuff like that. But yeah, we still have a couple of weeks. So hopefully it warms up and we're ready to go. I guess another thing that we have to look forward to is it's a uh, teacher appreciation week coming up the first week in May. I think it's May 2nd to May 6th. So all teachers and educators out there listening, we appreciate you. Thanks for thanks for doing what you're doing. And thanks for fighting through the uh, the storm that has been for about two and a quarter years now. So keep fighting the grind. But I think it's uh, it's a great profession. We're doing great things and we all should be proud of ourselves. So give yourself an extra pat on the back. And uh, to go along with Trish, uh, Teacher Appreciation Week, we just want to remind everybody that you could head over to myatechbundle.com and get yourself some free EdTech mini subscriptions to some of our favorite EdTech tools. Nick, I think you're you're better at me than remembering all these awesome tools that are on the site. Yeah, that's a, it would be a cool way too if you've got a colleague or a teacher friend you want to give a little bit of a gift to for free, you can uh, get some premium access to things like S'more, a really popular newsletter application, and you know some other big ones like Pear Deck and Nearpod. Fitting in with today's theme, you can try Book Creator free for three months. Um, you know, Moat, Iorad, Genially, Explain Everything. Another one from today's episode, WordTune and Flowcabulary. And many, many more. There's as of today, we have 31 total tools uh, that you can log in, and um, you know, and it's it's going to say purchase and ask you to check out, but they're all free. Uh, the checkout process is just for us to kind of keep track of who's downloading what, and we think it's great. So you can use that to help appreciate some of the teachers in your life. And um, this is maybe a good time to kind of introduce what today is all about. We're talking writing, of course. 
it's a, a divisive topic, especially for students, because they don't always want to do it. But as any adult can tell you, you know, writing is super important. I mean, guys, how many times a week would you say you have to sit down and write something? Uh, every day, many times a day for various reasons. And, and you and I are self-proclaimed below average writers, uh, <laughs> even though I think we, uh, you know, sell ourselves short a little bit. I think writing is something that doesn't come naturally is, uh, you know, you're a very good visually creative guy that comes very uh, easy to you. And I think writing is something that might challenge you a little bit more. And I have a lot of ideas in my head, but it's hard for me to put them down on paper. I think it has something to do with the fact that I have bare paws as hands and, <laughs> you know, typing and writing is just not the easiest thing in the world for me. But I do enjoy that creative outlet. I do enjoy writing as long as I'm picking the reason why, or I'm able to be creative. So those are two instances in which I enjoy writing and I'm enjoying learning about all these awesome ed tech tools. Some of them we've, we've known before, but most of them, you know, I had to, I had to take a look at and look up and I'm very excited to, you know, make sure that we give them a little bit of rec recognition because uh, they're amazing tools that might be useful for some of our listeners. Yeah, I mean that's the that's why students don't always like to write. It's because it is it is challenging. You know, hand in hand with writing is is thinking. You got to really be thinking deeply when you're engaged in that writing process and especially the way school's set up, you know, your kids may not necessarily be in the mood or if you're going to write, there's a certain headspace you got to have and maybe that class that time of day they're just not in it. So it can be frustrating, but the good news is is we're about to start sharing. And I'll use this as the intro to our main segment here. Um, we're going to give you some ed tech tools to help them with that process. And, you know, say, say what you will about using ed tech tools to assist in the writing or in a student's writing process. These things are a part of what writing is now in the modern age. And anyone who writes, we have supports built in, you know, even at the most basic level, if you're in, say, Gmail and you're crafting an email to put together or Google Docs and you're typing up, I don't know, maybe a, a resume or a cover letter. You've got some supports there like grammar checkers, spell checkers, and these have been around for a long time. And, you know, with with a lot of these ed tech tools, we're just expanding those things to help us. And in some ways, this can be really good because it might help with that frustration level. It might help break through, uh, let's call it a writer's block that one of your students is having on that given day. They get over that hump and then they can really, you know, as you put it, let the creativity fly. So that's sort of what we're going for. We've got some websites to start off, some extensions that will rattle off quickly towards the end and a few podcasts as well that might help you and your students. So I'll, I'll leave it with you, my friend, to start off with the first site on our list today. All right. The first one is very intriguing to me. It's all about creativity, writing, and making the drawing part a lot easier or the illustration part a lot easier. And this one is called Storybird. Students can create comics that create short stories, chapter books, poems very quickly, very easily. Uh, basically, the student is the writer and Storybird will make the uh, stories visually uh, awesome in seconds. So they'll curate artwork from illustration straighters around the world and then inspire writers of any age to turn them into original stories. So it's pretty awesome. When you're done, you can share these words with the world, submit your stories to get expert feedback from teachers, professional editors, and authors. So I think this one is an awesome one to check out. I could think you can make a lab report in science come alive. You can make a battle in history class come alive. 
you can make a cookbook if you still have culinary arts. Uh, you can make your storyboards for if you're in a TV production studio. If you have woodworking, you could have your illustrations of what uh, your steps are to make a certain project. I think that this is a very powerful uh, ed tech tool that people should check out. Yeah, and the I, the blending in artwork with writing is one of the coolest things about it. And I think they have like hundreds of illustrators that are just constantly submitting, you know, unique pieces of art. And that's part of what Storybird is going to do is use those as like a, the creative inspiration for some sort of a story writing campaign. And, you know, one of the things we always talk about with content creation is that ability for the student work to live on, right? It doesn't just get turned in and then and then die and end up in a stack of papers. You know, it goes somewhere. And with Storybird, you can do that because the students have the option to submit their work um, to other teachers and even sort of publish it online so that actual, you know, real editors can access this stuff and read it. And real authors, too, they help connect you with actual authors to give the students some feedback. So, in like a creative writing environment, I could see this being really, really super cool. Um, and I'll kick off my my uh, next selection here, which is called Boom Writer. Uh, Boom Writer, which I believe you can find at boomwriter.com. This got me pretty jazzed because this is a neat idea. They have a little uh, tagline that I think sums it up nicely. It's, uh, you know, they say Boom Writer is read, write, vote, and repeat. So think about those four steps, the first of which is the students are given a chapter. So chapter one of a story, and they all sit there and read it individually. After they read it, they all get to think creatively about what the next chapter could be based on that first chapter. So they get to imagine what happens to the characters, where they go, what takes place, and they write that down. Um, then the you know boom writer will automatically randomize those chapter twos that were just written by each separate student and share them around with the class as they read each other's work. And that's where, you know, we're pulling in all kinds of great stuff like peer assessment and motivation because the kids know that other students, maybe many other students are going to read what they're writing. So they're going to try and do a great job with it. Besides just sounds kind of fun, right? The creative aspect of this. And then the coolest part to me is all the other students vote on which of the chapter twos they like the best and boom writer will report that winner and the teacher announces it. And then that winner becomes the next chapter And this process repeats, right? You can go on as long as you want until the story concludes itself. And as the teacher, of course, you can control how many chapters you want to do this for, but what an awesome way to, you know, essentially you're writing a book. And then once you've got all these things, these class created upvoted chapters you can decide what to do with it from there um, whether you want to print it or publish it somehow but it just sounds like a really fun thing to do yeah this one is pretty amazing I, I just think that it you know if you're looking at uh, we talk about the technology integration matrix this is something that's gonna push that lesson and give students more empowerment of their learning. And I think that's an amazing use of an ed tech tool. So I think this is one that I could easily find ways to use inside of my content curriculum. So definitely going to check out that one. I love the gamification of voting put in there. Students will get very excited if there's a, their chapter is used. And at the end, you have this awesome built upon project. So that one's pretty great. And I, I like that one a lot. All right. So 
let's get into my next one. This is one that's found on my tech bundle. This is Flocabulary. Uh, Flocabulary uses educational hip hop songs, videos, and additional materials to really enhance learning in the K through 12 classroom. So basically, um, you could go get this trial from Maya Tech Bundle, and then you can just dive right into it. And how it works is there's going to be a sequence of that's in this lesson sequence where it's a video or some vocab cards. There could be a vocab game. And then you could read something, respond to it, and then it's going to assess students. After that, you're going to get kicked into the Lyric Lab, and you're going to make something pretty awesome there as well. So uh, this whole process is pretty amazing because we have these strong ties to music. Everyone has strong ties to music in some way, shape, or form. Uh, me, I have no musical talent whatsoever, but I am drawn to music. I'm drawn to beats. Uh, and that is a way that can help me learn. Oftentimes when I study, I listen to music and I feel like Flocabulary brought in music, something that everyone's interested in, and they're bringing in content and they're bringing it to life, um, whether they're making a music video or something along those lines. So check out Flocabulary. Yeah, Flo uh, Flocabulary is awesome. And if you do a little bit of research on their website, you'll find that they they boast uh, you know, measurable improvements in student literacy by tying in that music element, because guess what? Music is writing, and that's something else you can explain uh, to your students in a way to get them writing that doesn't necessarily feel like sitting down and putting together a typical essay that they might feel is a little more boring. I know I use Flocabulary at the end of the year. Um, I do like a series of recently changed to call them Chem Squad challenges uh, that's kind of lame but uh it is <laughs> it is what it is and uh one of those challenges is the students have to perform and record a a rap that they write um about a historical chemist and their resource to how to do that because not everybody knows how to is vocabulary they can download beats and learn about how to put words to those different beats and it's just awesome there's tons and tons of stuff there and it's, it's a great one. Uh, it's also one of the ones you can find on mytechbundle.com. I'll throw that out there as well. And since you featured Flowcabulary, I'll feature the next one, vocabulary.com, which sounds kind of boring. Um, and, it, you know, it's vocabulary.com. It's just going to have a bunch of vocab, which it does. But it does that and so much more. So you can think about vocabulary.com as like, you know, a dictionary of a digital dictionary that is on steroids. They do tons and tons of stuff. Um, so one thing that it is, is literally just looking up words because that's a big challenge to writing is not finding the perfect word to use, right? And you got to build vocabulary to do that. And you can just look up words and find their definitions. Um, on top of that though, and this is what really brings it to the next level, they've got these like science backed games that are sort of built around, you know, learning different vocab words at levels of your choosing within topics of your choosing. Um, and the, you know, these are all, it's all games, which is gonna make it super fun. The students in your, in your class can even compete uh, against each other, um, either just amongst themselves within your class, or you can even set them up around the globe with other students to compete. They have like worldwide leaderboards for these vocabulary games. So that can be kind of fun. Uh, that brings all this together. Um, and they, you know, the other thing that they do, they call them vocab jams, but these are just really fast paced sort of ready-made word lists that link to a book or a topic of your choosing. So if you're, you know, reading Hamlet in class, pretty much any any 
popularized piece of writing that you're going to be doing in a classroom setting. You can look it up here. They have pre-made vocab jams for all those things. So you don't have to do any prep and the students can get in there and practice and play those games related to that. And it doesn't just have to be books. It can be topics as well. And then just to get a little more specific, um, you know, I was just playing around with this earlier, just to show you how cool this is, even just the simplest use. So I'm not talking any games or I'm not talking their vocab jams. If you just go there and use their dictionary feature, I typed in the word uh, mezzanine. I just tried to think of something, a word I know but don't really know what it is. Um, and I, I don't know why that popped into my head, but when you type it in, it gives you, of course, the the definition and the, you know, it gives you various definitions, just like a, uh, a dictionary would different parts of speech. But then it goes on to give you like five or six other things like uh, using that word in a sentence, speaking the word out, um, looking at four different usage examples of the word mezzanine. It gives you the word family. So where mezzanine came from and its etymology of, you know, other words that it's related to and the Latin meanings. And, and part of that is a, a little quiz. So after you go through all these definitions and examples, at the bottom, it says mezzanine means, and there's a little multiple choice that lets you choose, is mezzanine a pogo stick, a surgical dressing, first balcony, a floorboard? And it's a way to test yourself at the end of viewing this page to see, do I actually know what mezzanine means? So I think vocabulary.com could be a really awesome thing to help, you know, help with that, help with student vocabulary and eventually help with their writing too. Uh, what is a pogo stick? That's <laughs> I don't know. Final answer. <laughs> Uh, now, vocabulary.com does a lot of, you know, it works with vocabulary, which is a dull topic in itself. Uh, it often reminds me of, I uh, took an SAT course as a sophomore, junior in, in high school. And I knew that I'd be fine in math and I knew I would struggle in English. And I remember the hardest part was the analogies. So this is to this is this is to this i would do terrible on it i think the first time i took the sat um that section alone just absolutely ate me up and that's why i went and i took this course but i just noticed that there's a vocab jam for sat words i could see that being probably the most beneficial thing of this site is just sat prep you know vocab words and finding fun ways to make these words, uh, you know, into little games and stuff like that. So vocabulary.com, go check that one out. I'm going to get into my next one, which is one of my favorites. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because we have talked about it before, but it's worth a mention, especially because I think of this as being one of the lead EdTech resources and, and this uh, EdTech tool is Book Creator. So with Book Creator, you can inspire, create, and celebrate. So... Oftentimes, what I do is I use Book Creator to make group review projects. So when I taught AP Bio, uh, I would have students, uh, we would break down a unit. Each each student got a topic within that unit, and they were responsible for X number of pages and certain things within each topic. So they would all work on it at the same time. Uh, then I would have two people pair up and they have to fact check each other and make sure that the content is right. And at the end, we have a whole unit um, covered into one of our chapters or one of our units within the books. At the end of the year, they have something to study from. It's like a, it's like a classroom study guide for the final or the AP test. Uh, I could also, 
I think it would be cool to use this in a staff PD where we're trying to get to know other teachers as like a, almost like a icebreaker. And maybe this could be done outside of uh, the meeting and just putting in your favorite recipe in there. And at the end of the, end of the uh, faculty meeting or whatever it is, you have a cookbook based on everyone's favorite recipes. And they could add pictures of their creations and, and the recipes, ingredients, and all that. I think that would be an awesome way to get to know your staff and also come out uh, with something. So I use Book Creator when we do professional developments all the time because if you everyone works together to share what they know into a common resource. You have this, this uh, book that you can use for the rest of the year. And I think that's very important, not only for uh, students, but also for teachers. Yeah. And one of the things book creator does really well is that publication piece, like you mentioned, and um, the kids know that their, their book, it can, it can live on and it doesn't, doesn't just sort of end with end at the teacher's lap. It can be viewed by other people. So really, really super fun. Um, my next one is called Visu Words. It's uh, V-I-S-U words.com. This kind of goes along with my last one. Uh, it's, it's a vocabulary website and it's probably my favorite tool of the day, maybe second favorite, just because it's such a unique thing. Um, when you think of vocabulary, like you said before, it can be sort of a dull topic. Here's a word, learn it, here's how it's used, right? Um, but with Visu words, uh, and they describe themselves as not your granddad's dictionary, which I think is pretty accurate because it is, you know, it's that. It's a modern dictionary for a modern world. And what they do specifically is you can type in a word, any word you like, and it automatically generates this interactive three-dimensional map. Um, where that word that you are searching goes at the center and it connects outward almost like a spider web, um, uh, sort of like a spider web visual or a model. And each connection from the word you typed in at the center outward is something that that word relates to in a number of ways. So, you know, if you head to that website, if you're somewhere where you can do that um, and you do and you go there, visuwords.com, you, you can click. Uh, at the top, there's a red explore button just so you can get a sense of what this is because it's very visual and I'm going to do my best to describe it. But, you know, I just hit the explore button and it brought up the word Mandarin. So at the center of this web is Mandarin and then it's connecting outwards with a, a solid gray line to other words um, like Chinese, Mandarin duck, um, Mandarin orange and all kinds of different things that the center word that I searched is um, related to, or specifically a line that is the color gray, um, means that my word is a word for those things. So the word Mandarin is a can be used as a word for Mandarin duck. And if you hover over any of these little uh, circles with these different words, it gives you a definition for it. So if I don't know what a Mandarin duck is, I can hover on that and it says it's a showy crusted Asiatic duck, often domesticated. Um, the coolest part is there's all sorts of different colored lines connecting the words here and they all mean different things. So a gray line means that the word, the two connected words can be used in place of one another. Uh, a blue line that's an arrow shape means that the word is a kind of that thing. Um, so Mandarin is a kind of Chinese or a type of Chinese, 
because, uh, and I can tell that because it's connected with a blue line. A blue dotted line means that the word is an instance of. A yellow arrow means it is a member of or uh, is a part of. Um, a orange dash line means that the word is similar to. So part of this, this web is you're getting synonyms. Um, there's all, um, I can't list all of them because there's too many types of connectors, but it's all these color-coded lines for, you know, participles, attributes, uh, if words oppose each other. So they're giving you antonyms almost like this word is an opposite to, and they give you that. Just tons of information all put together in this visual way. You can click it and move it. And it's, you know, if you look at it, you'll see it's almost three-dimensional. So I just think this could be used a thousand different ways, you know, at the most basic level to teaching new words in a, in a very unique way. So you guys are definitely going to want to check out visuwords.com. Yeah, I love this one as an intro or a, like just a five-minute starter of a class period. And this doesn't need to just be in language arts. It could be really in any topic or subject. I mean... Picture you giving a prescribed word list in your science class, in your chemistry class. All right. So atomic number, you could throw that in there. And based on that, they could try to figure out what the different words in the web are, circle how many that they know. You can pick some kind of go over it. You could tie it into today's lesson or review from previous lessons to see what you could do. So I definitely love that one. I'm going to get into my next one. It's called EduBlogs. They are the oldest and most trusted web publishing platform for teachers and students. When I go to this, I'm thinking blogs and websites. So I'm really, really into this one because I'm really into student publications. So by educators, for educators, this is where you need to go for blogs and websites for education. Uh, it's a uh, teacher friendly, it's student safe, it's learning centered, and it's powered by WordPress, which is the blogger's choice of website platforms. And that's what we use for our podcast as well. So I'm very uh, familiar with that. Uh, EduBlogs is free for up to one gigabyte of storage, and it gives you student management, ad free and student safe all themes and plugins. So really your different levels of cost is based on how much storage you get. So it's one gigabyte for free and that's a decent amount. And then it's 50 gigabytes for the pro and then you can customize it as well. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a, with a classroom blog. And if it's a project you haven't tried yet, I'll definitely check it out. And like you started off with, EduBlogs is um, you know probably the most trusted version of that. My next one is called Phrase Bank. Um, I don't know if you knew about this one, guys, but if, if you did not know about it while you were writing your doctoral thesis, is that what it's called? What's the conclusion of a doctoral degree? Dissertation. Dissertation, yes. Yeah, sorry, not a thesis. But uh, man, oh man, this, I think this would have made it so much easier for you. And if you're saying, well, I don't, you know, obviously I'm a teacher, you know, elementary or middle or high school students, it's okay. There's something for everybody here. Um, probably geared more towards the older grades. But if you have ever heard a student say, I don't know how to say that, or I don't know how to phrase that, phrase bank is the place to go. Because what, I, I forget the name of the, there's one professor at Manchester, um, the University of Manchester, who put this together. Um, you know, I'm assuming this person was also struggling with, you know, the, the phraseology of 
a an official formal doesn't have to be a lab report, but any kind of formal published paper. And that's what we're really trying to get kids to, to write, to write in this, you know, something they may have to do one day is a formalized method of writing. And they just, you know, you have to learn that. And all the, the little phrases that go into this type of writing, it's, it's tough to just know that. So this academic phrase bank took all of these different phrases or ways to word things, and it put them all in one place in this giant free basically a, a database. So when you go there and it's uh, phrasebank.manchester.ac.uk, it's kind of a long uh, URL, but you can head to our show notes to find it. There's a menu along the top that has the different types of phrases you might be struggling to come up with, like introducing your work or referring to a source or describing methods, reporting results. Uh, writing a conclusion is a huge problem one for students. And when you click on one of those, it gives you just massive lists of ways that you can phrase things. So I clicked on, you know, the introducing work heading. So if a student is having a hard time introducing something, um, they can go here. And even within that, there's other drop-down menus. Um, like one of the drop-down menus is, uh, if you need a phrase for establishing the importance of the topic, and you don't know how to phrase that, you click on it and it gives you, this one has like 15 different phrases to use. Here's some of them. Um, a key aspect of X is dot, dot, dot. Uh, here's another one. X is of interest because X is a classic problem in. A primary concern of X is. And you can see just by, by reading these, it, it gives you a starting point. It helps to break that barrier for the students, especially who are not used to this type of writing it kind of breaks that barrier of how do I begin this? What do I say in a way that sounds professional and scientific? Um, and to me, these are fascinating. And once I get going, I can't stop reading them. And it kind of makes you want to write. It gives you like that starting point, which is which is so challenging. And there's just, you know, I haven't actually counted them, but I want uh, there has to be thousands of these phrases listed out. So this is a really cool database to be aware of. Phrasebank.manchester.ac.com. UK. Yeah, this would have helped me a lot, <laughs> a lot. So I'm just looking at the being critical because a lot of your dissertation is finding previous studies, being able to go down, synthesize through those studies and pull out the underlying message and either be critical or supportive of that study. So I went to the being critical category and I clicked on it and it just shows you several different ways that you could highlight inadequacies of previous studies. Now, when I first wrote my dissertation, the first uh, pass through, oftentimes I said, this study shows, this study shows, this study shows. I could just go here it's, and it's like, researchers have not treated whatever the subject in much detail or previous studies have not dealt with yada, yada, yada. They have not dealt with COVID during these times. I mean, there's going to be so many studies on education based on what happened before, during, and after COVID. It kind of brought out a whole new um, revelation of study. But this site is amazing. This is very hard for students to do. It's very hard for anyone to do sometimes. And this just gives you a refreshing list of how you could start your paragraphs. I will tell you, for me, the intro concluding paragraphs of the whole of each section was the hardest thing for me to do. And then after that, it was just not being repetitive in my wording. 
So this would have definitely helped with that. So this is a great find. I'm bookmarking this right now. And I will get into my last one, which is XMind, which is a mind mapping software. So as you go and you click on it, it says ideas grow on trees. And it just has a great visual presence of making mind maps. You could have pictures all around. Uh, so if you click on mind maps, you could see different versions of a mind map. You have, uh, you know, just different variations of mind maps that look visually appealing. I, I think that's just my biggest taking, my biggest takeaway. Uh, you could add stickers and illustrations. You can add different color themes. You could look at a hand-drawn type style. There's a tree table. Uh, there's just so many ways to easily customize everything on this site, and it makes it visually appealing, and it gets the message across to whomever you want to get a message across to in an organized way. So this is XMind. Yeah, there's a ton of mind mapping tools out there, and they're, and they're all great. They're all fine. Uh, this one, <laughs> I feel like every time we bring it up, too, I say, this one's my new favorite. Uh, this one's my new favorite because I really like how the, the visual of XMind. But you just got to shop around with these things until you find one you like. And if you don't know about XMind, maybe worth checking out. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, so that wraps it up for kind of the first part of this segment uh, the, where we feature some websites related to writing help. And we're going to move into the last part, almost the last part, where we'll feature some extensions that do the same thing. We're going to go through these a little bit faster because as extensions, they're a little bit more simple and less complex. So we kind of just want to throw them out there as different options that you can use or that you might want to consider sharing with your students as they're attempting some sort of a writing project. So, you know, first up, we have something called WordTune. Uh, this is one of my favorite tools out there. Uh, you can find this one at myatechbundle.com as well if you'd like to give it a look. But uh, they have an extension too, and it's an AI-powered writing companion. And what it does for you, besides typical like grammar checks and all that kind of stuff, is it rewrites sentences for you. It uses their AI to rewrite a sentence in a bunch of different forms. So this is this is really awesome if you have someone, maybe yourself or a student, who is struggling getting their sentence structure correct to sound good. Maybe it's too long and you're always trying to be, you know, as clear and concise as possible with, with most types of writing. And uh, WordTune will do that for you. So just, you know, you can try if you just go to their website, you can type in a sentence um, and you it'll kind of see what it does. It just offers you different revisions of that. I've heard this criticized before because it takes away the people will say that it takes away the thinking that students have to go through while writing. And that is certainly true. However, I would argue that it is also, when used properly, a tool that leads to better thinking. For example, you might have students who just don't know how to rewrite a sentence more clearly. That's a skill. It takes time. It takes training. It takes examples. And that's what WordTune provides. So I think if it's used properly, and, you know, students know 
that it's a tool to help and that eventually maybe you kind of want to move away from it. Um, and that should happen organically, by the way. I mean, you know, it, it is an extra step to use WordTune and it's an extra step that you don't want to take if you don't have to. So the more and more somebody would use something like this, they will probably learn how to rewrite sentences on their own better and eventually not have to use it as much anyway. So I don't really consider that an issue. I think that type of thing will resolve itself. I'm a huge fan of WordTune. Check it out. Yeah, I'm a big fan of WordTune as well. Me personally, I think the best way to become a better writer is by reading and vice versa. I mean, I think they're pretty much, they go hand in hand. And I think WordTune is fantastic to give you those two or three different options to choose from. And it's going to train your brain or your student's brain to write differently. I was laughing in the middle of your uh description of WordTune because I decided to highlight it and WordTune, the WordTune description. So WordTune description is WordTune is an AI powered writing companion that understands what you're trying to say and suggests ways to make your writing more clear, compelling, and authentic. So with WordTune, it gave me two ways to um, write this differently. And each way, it seems to simplify it. And I actually like the third way the best here, but here's the second way. WordTune is an AI-powered writing tool that helps you make your writing clearer, more compelling, and more authentic. So it, it, champ, it got rid of a lot there. Yeah. Uh, and then it takes it a step further, and this is the most simplistic. WordTune understands your writing and suggests ways to make it more clear, compelling, and authentic. To me, that is crystal clear. It's short, sweet, to the point. That's how I like to write. No fluff. I would obviously choose that one, but these are all great options, and WordTune is pretty amazing. I know on this podcast, we brought up Grammarly. Um, what I want to share with you now is a highly rated Grammarly alternative, and this isn't knocking Grammarly. We often bring on several different tech tools that do the same thing, and we do that so you have a choice. Which one works best for you? This one is called Quillbot. Uh, Quillbot is also an extension. It's a Grammarly alternative, and it allows students to write better with Grammar Checker, Paraphraser, and Summarizer. So this one, if you're familiar with Grammarly, it's right along that that path. But uh, I'm going to check it out. I mean, I I have Grammarly Pro right now, so I pay for it every year, but I write a lot. So uh, you know, it's very useful to me, but I'm always for checking out other tools to see if I like a functionality or the way something else looks or it makes my workflow a little bit faster. So check out Quillbot. Yeah, that sounds like a great one. And any of these types of things, I think the more options, the better. Maybe you don't like Grammarly. Quillbot is going to work for you. So give it a look, uh, including this next one that I'm going to talk about called Briskine Email Templates and Shortcuts. And I apologize to Briskine if I am pronouncing that wrong, but um, this is a cool one. It does pretty much exactly what it says in the name. It's a little bit on the nose there, but it writes email templates for you. As teachers and in a lot of you know positions out there, you're writing a lot of the same emails over and over again. An example for us would be if I send a letter home to parents because something good is happening in class or there's a problem that needs to be addressed. It's essentially the same email over and over and over again. And if you are still typing out those emails fresh every time, 
uh, stop it, man, because there's lots of things that can save you from having to do that. Even just like in Gmail, you can save template emails uh, so you don't have to write them. You just click, you know, choose the template that you have pre-written, select it from a drop-down menu, and it automatically pops that into uh, your email, and then you can send it away. Um, this extension is going to do that same thing, but it does, it takes it one step further. It allows you to create your own keyboard shortcuts to use those extensions. So just for example, maybe I can make control shift P my keyboard extension that I use for my parent email that goes home when something good happened in class. And I want to make sure to communicate that. Um, and as far as I know, the template features that are built into Gmail does not allow for that, which might be a reason to use this extension instead. Another cool thing is that it works with Gmail and Outlook, probably the two most popular emailing platforms. Also works with uh, LinkedIn's email system if you're using that. This is a pretty cool one and can save you tons of time. Definitely one to take a look at. Yeah, it's, I mean, anything that's going to speed up our day-to-day -day productivity, uh, I'm all for. So definitely, I'm going to go with Briskine email template and shortcuts. Uh, we have a, I wouldn't even say 50 50 because we could say there's several different pronunciations. We always have fun with those, but yep. no offense, hopefully, taken for any of our butcherings of how to say it. Uh, the next one is Scholarcy. So, Scholar with CY at the end. Uh, this one's pretty fantastic. Uh, I like this one. This could have helped me with my uh, dissertation as well. Um, what it does is it takes a web page or an, um, a journal entry from a database that you get online and it summarizes research papers. And after the summary of the research papers, it's going to create an interactive flashcards. It will also highlight key points automatically. And then it will link to open access versions of each citation. So all awesome. Uh so I'm just looking at an example on the Chrome Web Store. You get those little uh, preview pictures. I could see the database article in the background, and uh, it's going to pop up a new box, and it just says empirical analysis um, of the topic. And then underneath, there's summary flashcards that you could look at. There's key concepts and abstracts and some other things that going on there. Uh, it also highlights those important pieces. So that looks uh, really, really awesome uh, because it's it's getting the most important things to students or to the teacher quicker. Uh, once again, this could be looked at as something that is almost cheating um, because it's giving you, I, I want to say the cliff notes of the article. But to me, this all makes sense because if these tools are out there, when you're in the real world working, you're going to have one of these tools. Your employer is going to provide you with these tools. Uh, they're not going to expect you to go through, read it. And uh, if there's nothing out there to make your job quicker, I mean, that's a little old fashioned, a little old school. We don't, for the most part, we don't memorize, at least my kids aren't doing it now. Uh, they're not memorizing the um, state capitals and all that stuff anymore, like how to spell them. What they might have to know that, um, you know, this is the state, this is the capital. But I, I remember growing up through grade school, we had to spell everything correctly. It got hard in Europe and Asia and, and stuff like that when we go try to 
figure out the nations over there. But what I'm saying here is if you have a tool and they're able to do stuff quicker, I don't see that as a bad thing uh, because it's providing them exposure to the important parts of that journal entry and it's showing them where to look. And I think that's half of the battle or more than half of the battle. So check out Scholarsly. I think this is another game changer, especially uh, to save students a little bit of time, but also they still have to write. If they're doing a research paper, that will save them time, but they still have to write about it, be critical about it, and uh, really uh, you know, dive deep into each journal article that they're going to feature in their research paper. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it the right way. It's not like we're using Scholarsy to avoid ever reading an article. You use it to save time and weed through a bunch of articles really fast so you can find the good ones and then really read those and focus on them. So, you know, it's it's kind of similar to some of the other things we've mentioned so far. You could view all any tech really as cheating if you look at it in that way. But we're just, you know, these tools aren't really being used that way and they shouldn't be. So I think that's another great one along with this next one with a kind of a similar name. It's called Citation Z, S-Y. And it does what you think it's going to do. It's an auto citation generator. And I, I know, I know there's tons of these things out there. And you probably even have a favorite. If you're in any kind of school and doing this, you are likely using perhaps uh, RefMe is a big one. Uh, cite this for me, Mendeley, EndNote, um, let's see, EasyBib is maybe the other popular one. And Citation Z, I'm pretty sure is going to beat all those for you. So if, if you have one you like, at least give this a try, uh, just because it is, or they describe themselves as referencing for people who value simplicity, privacy, and speed. Because literally all you do, if you're on any website or an article that you want to cite, you just go up and click their little extension icon and a little window will pop up with, I mean, they have literally thousands of referencing styles, but they're going to show you the popular ones like APA, Harvard, Chicago, MLA. And then you can do a little, like a little more option to see many, 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 many others. And it's just that quick and it's that easy. You click it, it copies it and you can paste it wherever you want. This works obviously in your Chrome browser, but that includes anything that you can have there. So websites, books, papers, articles, podcasts. Um, you know, I think they even have a, you can do songs, uh, oddly enough, which is pretty cool. So this one is worth uh, giving a look and adding it, you know, to the things you're choosing from when writing citations. Yeah, that one's, it's a great tool. It's a great alternative to some other great tools that are out there. Once again, this is preference. Uh, if you like it, check it out. If it's your cup of tea, use it. If not, go sip another cup of tea. Uh, my next one and last extension is Power uh, Thesaurus. So you could use the Power Synonyms by button in the toolbar. You could right-click on it um, or by word selection on any page. It's the most popular Thesaurus extension uh, on Google that I could find. Um, I'm just looking at some of the, the screen captions again. Uh, if you highlight a word that you don't know, it will provide the definition or definitions if there's multiple. And then it gives a list of all the synonyms that go along. So this is another powerful tool that's quick and easy when students are writing and they're writing the same word over and over again. Highlight it, find a different word. I think it's excellent for 
once again, exposure to words, exposure to writing, exposure to synonyms, uh, definitions, things like that. So power the source is my last one. And my last one, the very last uh, tool of the episode is called Google Input Tools. This is technically not, I mean, it is about writing, but it's not about like creative writing or writing a research paper, that type of thing. And this one has a little bit of a story behind it. We had a student at our school a couple of weeks back, maybe a couple months back. Honestly, I have no clue how long ago because time is both slow and really fast this year. But fairly recently, we had a student who was a refugee from, was it Afghanistan? Do you remember? Yeah, I, I can't remember. Okay. I, I, think I, was, I, believe, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um and, you know, this this uh, young man speaks very little English and he was coming to America for the first time in his life, barely any skill using a computer. And he was coming to our school um, where he's being given all these things like Chromebook and we're trying to, you know, figure out how do you educate someone like this? How do you give them a meaningful experience without being totally overwhelmed by just an, an insane amount of things that he's dealing with? Um, so one of the first things to sort of deal with was the language barrier and Google input tools, among many others, popped up. And I think this is one that sort of rose to the top uh, that I want to feature today. It's uh, it's a, a tool where anywhere in your Chrome browser where you're inputting text. So any little you know box where you can type things, this extension will allow you to do that in over, sorry, not over, almost 100 different languages and you know, if you do some research into this, there's tons of these. Google Translate is the other one that would just be fantastic. But uh, the reason I like this is because they have two things, uh, sometimes more than two things that it can do. One of them is a virtual keyboard. So for all these different languages, it'll actually pop up a, a keyboard on the screen that has the actual characters of the desired language. Uh, for this young man, I think it was Pashto two or Pashto, however you say it, and you can actually see that keyboard. Uh, the other thing it provides is within these languages, a transliteration input tool, which means you type on your keyboard, you know, your typical American ABCDEF keyboard, and whatever words you type, it automatically translates that word into the language of choice, um, which I think is really cool. And it's just doing it all automatically just by having this extension. So this may have some use out there in the writing world. And I wanted to make sure to uh, bring that up for today's episode. Yeah, we had a lot of fun looking for those types of tools uh, for this young man and, and the teachers as well. So that's going to wrap up the extensions part of this. We're going to get into just a very short list of podcasts. Usually I'm the podcast guy that's listening Nick, you kind of took uh, this role this time, so I'm just going to allow you to mention the three or four that we have on the list uh, as far as um, podcasts that fit the topic that we went over today. Go ahead and take over. Yeah, cool. So very, very quickly, I was just envisioning a teacher perhaps listening to this episode of Got Teched because you're doing something that involves writing in your class. And you want some resources to share out with your students. And, you know, a lot of ed tech tools we just talked about are going to be great for that. Something else you might want to share are some different podcast episodes. And there are a ton of podcasts devoted to writing, all types of writing, creative writing, poetry, research papers. And I think it'd be really cool if you scanned through some of these and found some episodes that fit with 
uh, whatever you're doing in your class and you could share those with your kids, require them to listen, listen during class could be kind of fun. Uh, one of them is called uh, grammar girl, quick and dirty tips for better writing. I think that's probably the best one for students. Uh, some others are writing excuses. I believe that's more geared towards like creative writing and, you know, getting started, uh, with a, a piece of writing you're doing. Then there's the writership podcast, editing tips for fiction authors. So again, if you're doing a fiction writing project, that'd be kind of cool. And then the last one is the creative writers tool belt where they just sort of each episode is very brief and features like a different skill that a creative writer can use. So, you know, again, not that you have to build these into your own podcast listening, but scan through some episodes. You might find some out there that would be good for your students to listen to, or you might enjoy them yourself. Who knows? That's it for our websites, our extensions, some podcasts, all devoted to writing. That wraps it up for episode 110. I'll bring it home if you don't mind. Uh, as always, guys, if you could do us some favors like subscribing to Got Tech the Podcast on Apple, please, if you're going to do it, uh, you can find us on Spotify as well and subscribe there. Google Stitcher. Uh, we have a YouTube page. You can look up We Got Tech on YouTube as well as Twitter at Nick Got Tech, at Geist Got Tech, and at We Got Tech to follow the show. Um, if you really like us, you can always write that Apple podcast review. That's the most helpful thing besides telling your friends. And if you're doing that, don't forget to tell them we've got a website, gottech.com, and we're part of a really awesome podcast network full of teacher and teaching-centric podcasts called the Teach Better Podcast Network. You can give them a Google to find us and many other great educational resources. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.